Welcome to the HeartStrong Discipleship Podcast. Visit heartstrong.life forward slash login to access the notes from today and all the benefits of our membership community. One to the two and two to the three. Let the world see the Holy Trinity. Let's become HeartStrong Disciples of Jesus together. Well, good morning, everyone. And uh, from the sheet that I'm looking at, I understand that this is Fasting Monday as well. Yes. And so an opportunity to set something aside today and to uh, open our hearts before the Lord. So let's take a moment and just pray, and we're going to have a wonderful time together. Father, thank you for HeartStrong. Thank you for all of us that are gathered together this morning from all over And we ask your blessing upon your word as we open it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we have a new memory verse for this particular month, and uh, it's found in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So if you have a Bible nearby or you have that memory verse in front of you, we can say that together out loud. And uh, let's build this word into our hearts over the next little while. And uh, so it starts with, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable, and perfect. That's a very, very inspiring memory verse for us to have this month. I have, over the years, always pointed people back to Romans chapter 12. If you want to know the will of God for your heart and for your life and for your family, just take a look at what he says. Get into his word, let your mind get transformed, and Holy Spirit will do the rest as he takes you on this one wonderful journey. Well, this morning, we're going to start in the book of Numbers. How many are sort of happy they're out of Leviticus? That's an amazing portion of scripture. But step by step, as we are going through the the Torah, the first part of the Old Testament, these first five books are very central to Jewish people even today. They form the foundation of everything that they do in their relationship with God. And so today, as we go into numbers, I want you to know that we're going to start it out. And let me give you just a little brief before we get going. In Genesis, it was the first of everything. And you started to see how God's eternal purposes and plans were starting to unfold. In Exodus, we see him taking his people out of Egypt after they've been there as slaves for 400 years. And he wants to meet with them in the wilderness. And as he meets with them, he wants to reveal himself to them in a fresh way. You think of how old Canada is. We're 155 years old. It's not very old. And you think they were 400 years in Egyptian bondage, slavery, idolatry, culture, social norms, all of that. 
And it would be very clear that they wouldn't be clear on how they were to live before God anymore. And so Exodus is that moment where God takes them out into the wilderness and begins this process of revealing himself. Leviticus, you saw that he was going to establish his presence in their midst, a priesthood that they could understand how to worship. And then now we get into the book of Numbers. So let's do this together. I want to start out with first. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you have that in your Bible, 1 Corinthians 10, what the Apostle Paul reminds us of what has happened in the past, that all of this is an example to us. And so he says, I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers were under the cloud. So we're going to talk about what that is, as through the book of Numbers, you have a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So you've got shade during the blazing sun of the day, and you've got warmth of the fire of God at night. And so he said, they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. And if you're like I am, when you're reading the Old Testament, the New Testament is there, but it's concealed. And as we get into the New Testament, the Old Testament is revealed. And so when you put the two together, you begin to see there are little glimpses all along the journey through the book of Numbers, how God helps us understand who he is why we are in relationship with him, and where he's leading us. So in the natural, in numbers, he's leading us to the promised land. In the reality of the new covenant, he's leading us to his presence, which is eternal. You'll see that Moses is a type of intercessor, that in the midst of the people, he's constantly making intercession for them, because they're just like the people today. They grumble, they complain, they do all kinds of crazy things. And even Moses complains. I think in the summary, when we come to the end of, of the book of Numbers, I think you're probably like I am, shocked at the fact that a whole generation of people could not get past their grumbling and ended up perishing in the wilderness rather than going into the fullness of God's promise. Even Moses even Aaron. And so it makes you realize there are consequences to our relationship with God that we need to be very, very serious about. And so the book of Numbers is one of those precious, precious points in the Old Testament that really help us grasp uh, our walk with God. So are you ready? Because I'm ready. So let's start in Numbers chapter one. And we're going to see that this is their second year that they've been out in the wilderness. So it's been quite a while. They've been parked primarily around Sinai, and God has been giving them his word. He's been giving his commands. He's been talking to them about a tabernacle, a meeting place in their midst. And now he's preparing them to go to war that they're going to be going through the wilderness. They're going to eventually go into the promised land. 
but they need to be prepared because it's going to be a battle. So they have a natural battle. We have a spiritual battle. They have a leader in Moses. We have a leader in Jesus Christ. They have an intercessor who stands in the gap on their behalf in Moses. We have an intercessor that is Jesus Christ that stands in the gap for us. So let's begin in Numbers chapter 1 and verse 1, where the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tent of meeting. On the first day of the second month in the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, this is what he says to them. Take a census of all the congregation of the people of Israel. Do it by clans, by fathers' houses, according to the number of the names of every male, head by head, from 20 years old and up. And all Israel who are able to go to war, you and Aaron shall list them company by company. And there shall be with you a man from each tribe, each man being the head of the house of his fathers. And these are the names, and I am not going to pronounce them. It's a way too early in the morning to be pronouncing these names. But you can see that what he's doing is he's targeting each of the tribes of Israel, the heads of each family, and he's numbering the men that are there to be able to say, here's the, the size of the army. And if you go to uh, verse 44, there is a compilation of the number of 603,550. So that's an oppressive amount of men, 25, 20 to 25 years and up. And they're all heads of their families in their different tribes and representing their tribes. And they're getting themselves prepared. For what is to come, because not only are they going into the promised land at some point, but they are not going to just be handed the land. They're going to have to fight for it. And so they're at this initial stage, and it's like in your life and in my life, when we start something out, uh, the first little while is pretty easy to get it going. And we're all excited, and we have a goal, and we're working towards it. But as the years go on, and the wandering continues, then the strength of their determination wanes somewhat. This is from what I can uh, glean from some of my studies. This is technically a two-week journey. It's 11 days, Deuteronomy says, and it takes 40 years. So in your life and in my life, when you realize that your name has been counted, it's been put in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you're on a journey, and it's going to take as long as it takes um, during that process, you're going to find yourself grumbling a little bit along the way and wondering when you're going to actually get to what he has promised. And so this is one of those books that as you start going through it, you realize, boy, oh boy, God takes gossip serious, takes grumbling serious. He takes backbiting serious. He takes all of these things that we're reading in Numbers very seriously. And that's why I read from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. He says, these are examples for us. So you can't discount the Hebrew uh, portion of scripture and say, well, that was just for the Jews. Always remember the Bible's written to us, uh, written 
story to for us, not to us, meaning that it's given so that when you read numbers, you can see some of the traits that you have in your own life as you're reading that, and that gives you a repentant heart. So particularly on Fasting Monday, that gives you an opportunity to say, Lord, this is an area of my walk with you that I really want to deal with. And that whatever that is, that you present that to him and say, Lord, today of all days, I want to be conscious of this and I want you to help me in it. So we have this listing of 603,000 men and they're getting ready for what it is that God wants to do with their life. And then it says in verse 47, I love the butts of God. But the Levites were not listed along with them by their ancestral tribe. For the Lord spoke to Moses and he said, only the tribe of Levi, you shall not list. And you shall not take a census of them among the people. The Levites belong to me, God is saying. They're my priests and they're going to help you in understanding how you can worship and so all of a sudden now, it's not this loosey-goosey relationship with God that maybe they had when they were back in Egypt. Now it's going to be very serious. And God, through Leviticus, as we were going through that, and now we're going into numbers, he's teaching us the importance of our relationship with him and, it, and how we are then to be in relationship to one another. We are to be a holy priesthood. We're to be a people set apart. For him. And so in this instance, he makes sure that he, they are appointed over the tabernacle of the testimony, over all its furnishings, over all that belongs to it. They are to carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings. Uh, later on, when you read through scripture, there are portions where those who are not Levites, some touch the cart to steady it and die. And you go back to this in Numbers and you say to yourself, God says what he means and means what he says. And so when we read this and we realize every tribe had a posture, a position, had a job to do, had a responsibility amongst the people. And now he's pointing out even the Levites that this is their task. This is what they're supposed to do. They're to carry all of the furnishings. They're to take care of it. And they shall camp around the tabernacle. So right at the center of the people of God is the tabernacle of God's presence. He's the core. He's the center. And then starting all around them are the, are the Levites and the priests. And their job is to care for everything that belongs to the tabernacle so that the people outside of that and gathered around that by tribes can worship the Lord properly. And they can be positioned so that when the cloud starts to move, they know what their role is and their job is. Would to God in the New Testament, when we talk about apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, and all of the gifts and all of the fruit of the spirit and all that goes on in the midst of the body of Christ, would to God that we knew our place as well, and we knew our purpose in God and what it was, what he was calling us to. And when you read, read the memory verse with me from Romans 12, you can know that as you begin to open your heart to God and say, Father, show me, lead me. And he does that by revealing things in you that you may not have been aware of. And so if we look at just this portion of scripture, when 
portions were assigned to tribes and then to Levites. They then understood when the cloud moves, we know exactly our role and what it is we are supposed to do. When the cloud stops and we set up the tabernacle and all of the furnishings, now we know how to approach God. We know what to do in our day-to-day relationship with him. And it said, when the tabernacle is to be set out, the Levites shall take it down. When it's to be pitched, the Levites shall set it up. And if any outsider comes near, he shall be put to death. So there's something very, very honorable going on here when God says the Levites are set apart unto me. And this is their role. And no one is to transgress that role. Wish we understood that sometime in our modern uh, approach to, to ministry and life. And the Levite shall keep guard over the tabernacle of the testimony. Thus did the people of Israel, they did according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So let's remember that when you are looking at portions of the Old Testament, it's written to the Hebrews, it's written for a certain period in the purposes of God in history, and it's meant to give us some understanding of the walk that we have today. So It's a census that we start out with, the people are numbered, and then the laws are given for how the tribes are to be arranged in the wilderness, so everybody understands their place and they understand their purpose, and at the center is always the tabernacle. I used to have in my office for all the years that I was a pastor, I may try to even find it for the Thursday when I'm back on, a picture of the tabernacle and all the tribes gathered around, little lamps in each of their, their tent windows or doors, and the presence of God at night as a pillar of fire. And I used to say when I'd come into the office and I'd sit at my desk and I'd look at the picture, and I'd say, Lord, we need your presence in our midst today. Uh, we need to keep our eyes focused on your presence in our midst today, so that as you go out into your service unto God in the course of a day, you're practicing his presence, whatever you do and wherever you go. And so you want to see that right in the center is the tabernacle, then the Levites and priests, and then the various tribes, all arranged so that as the tabernacle is being taken up. Or, or being built, they're all there doing their service. And so um, the very first tribe that would always lead out after the Levites was Judah. And so have you ever wondered in a, in a service at Life Center, uh, you come into the sanctuary at the start of a service, and we worship. Well, why do we worship? Because it establishes the presence of God for us as a community. We all have families, responsibilities, activities we go on with during the day. And then when we gather together, the, the, the worship time begins to focus us, focuses us on, on the presence of God, why we're in his midst. And that was the same for Judah when they would lead out as well after the tribe of Levites. And the various carts and the various oxen and the various furniture. You can imagine all of that was built according to the pattern. And God showed Moses a pattern for this tabernacle, this place of meeting that is a natural example of a tabernacle in heaven. 
So it's a natural example of a spiritual reality. And once it was done, I loved that expression that see that you build it according to the pattern. This is what's shown you. You can't just decide, I don't like that color. I'm going to change that color. I don't like that um, bronze basin. I want to make it gold. Every bit of it has an important portion along the way. And so whether it was the actual tabernacle and its full expression, I loved when I would look at it, the outside was ugly. It had no draw to it. The skins that were on the outside were not very appealing. But when you started to go in, and as a priest, and you could go in further to the holy place, and then you have the high priest who could go into the most holy place, it got more and more beautiful. So I think in, in years past, when you see churches that are being built out in the outskirts of cities and small communities, it always was the biggest building in the community, always the most beautiful, always the best craftsmanship. And the idea behind that was this, we want to give our best for God. We want to do our best for him. And so in this process of going through the book, uh, I think you're going to see some very interesting things as the cloud moves and the process begins. They see the orderliness of it. They see the way God is working. He's a God of order. Um, he's a God that moves progressively in our hearts and lives. Uh, we saw that the Levites and the priests become, um, what's the term? They are consecrated to God. They are different than the rest of the people. And there's an intent and a purpose in it. And as Pastor Jason has been saying to us, out of that, there should be no uh, grumbling. Well, how come Moses gets to meet face to face with God and we don't get to meet face to face with him? All of that means that you have a purpose in God. He wants you in your place doing what you're called to do. And as you do that, as you serve, and it always starts in a very natural place in our relationships, in our family, in our home, and then the influence we have and what we do in our daily life, the people that we meet, we are carriers then now of his presence. We have become the tent of meeting. He's meeting within us and we carry his presence wherever we go. Holiness is a major subject in the book of uh, Numbers. And a couple of things that I want you to uh, understand, and that is that two things that are really, really important in this book. One is that Moses is the intercessor in the midst of the people. And Jesus is our intercessor. Even at the right hand of the Father right now, he makes intercession for us. So when you see Moses and all that he has to contend with, you can see Jesus and all he is contending with in a very troubled world right now. Thank God he's our intercessor. But then there's also a point partway through the book of Numbers where snakes come in amongst the people as a judgment on them. And I had another picture that was always part of my journey in God from the book of Numbers. And it was building a bronze serpent, designing it and putting it on a pole. And there's a picture of Moses and he's pointing to the serpent on the pole. 
and their people all are gathered around him. And some of the people are looking at Moses. And Moses is saying, no, you don't look to me. You look to the serpent on the pole. And he's got his finger pointing towards the serpent on the pole. And the realization that in the book of Numbers, this is one of the major revelations of who Jesus Christ will be in the midst of a broken world. A world that is in under the judgment of God is still under the wrath of God because of sin. And yet there are millions of us pointing people to Jesus every single day. And as we point people to Jesus, he's able to do the rest. If they're looking to us, they're not going to have the same kind of life that they need to have. So you need to point people to Jesus. So just those two things alone in the book of Numbers are significant for the revelation of who Jesus is in the midst of his people. You can look at the cloud by day and you can say to yourself, Lord, you are the, 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 the covering, you are the shade for, our, for the people, you are the buffer, you are all of that to us in the midst of the hostility of the world in which we live, and that at night in the dark, you are there to light our way. So all of these little symbols that keep coming up in the book of Numbers, they really help us to appreciate what we read in the New Testament simply because of what we've been reading through the Old Testament. You're going to also read in, in the chapter 12, where even Moses's sister um, begins to uh, complain and, and gripe towards his, her brother, Moses. And uh, she has herself a problem with that, that when she starts to grumble and complain, next thing you know, her hand turns leprous, and uh, Moses then intercedes and prays for her. And uh, I think for you and I, all of these are just really precious things. Uh, one last thing before we can uh, pray together. There comes a moment in the complaining of the people of God where they feel they need to be watered. They're, they're thirsty. They're just everything physically is grumbling in them. And so Moses gets so upset with them and so angry with them. God has told him in prayer to simply speak to the rock. And Moses, in his own heart, he says, what, are you looking to us to do that? Well, for you, I'll do it. And he bangs on the rock a couple of times. And if you go to Matthew chapter 23, and you read the first two verses, that's one lesson that I learned in my earlier days. And I said, Lord, how can a preacher be disobedient and you still provide water out of the rock? You still provide for your people. And in Matthew 23, when you read the first few verses, he tells the people, make sure that those who sit in the seat of Moses, you practice what they say, not what they do. And so the word of God is central and important for you and for me. So when the word of God goes forth, God always honors his word because he knows the heart of his leader. And in this instance, he knows the heart of Moses. And Moses has been doing all of the things that God has called him to do. 
But at this one moment in his life, he dishonors God in the midst of the people, and there's a consequence for that. And so I think all of us then understand the value and the importance of walking in obedience to God, not in disobedience. So Numbers is a lesson on being an obedient servant of God, not being disobedient, because when we are disobedient, there are grave consequences. And those consequences, we can come to him in faith, believing that he will forgive us. That's why John tells us, always come. If you have any unrighteousness in your heart, come in faith, believing that when you confess your sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Later on, we see in the, the gospel account of the transfiguration, Moses is in the promised land. And so um, no story is over until it's over. And when you put your life into God's hands, he takes care of you. He walks with you. Uh, he's in relationship with you. And when you know who he is and you're not glib in your relationship. You have full joy, you enjoy his presence, he is precious to you, but you're very serious about your walk with him, and you understand the importance of holiness unto the Lord. You're a Levite now in the New Testament, so you understand your role to guide people in the purposes of God for their lives, and you know now that you keep pointing to Jesus, who's the author, and as in the book of Numbers, he is the finisher of your faith, because there will be a whole generation that will pass away in the wilderness, and a whole new generation will arise, and they will say, we're going to go into the land, and they do. And so I want you to know that God keeps his promises from generation to generation, but he deals with each generation very uniquely. So Book of Numbers, as you and I go through this, uh, are going to be awesome opportunities for each of us to take moments just to stop and say, Lord, thank you that I am not going to hit rocks. I'm going to speak to them. I'm not going to go out on my own and do my own thing. I'm going to allow you to lead me. I'm not going to say what I want to say. I'm going to say what your word says and watch what God's going to do. Amen. Well, let me pray for you as you go off to your day-to-day -day responsibilities. Father, we are grateful for HeartStrong. We're grateful for a moment like this where we can commit to you this day the leadership of the cloud of your presence in our lives, guiding us through this day step by step. Lord, thank you that your promises to our lives are yes and amen in Jesus. So for wisdom today, for grace today, for whatever we need in our lives today, we want to practice your presence. And so thank you, Lord, as we go from here, we go in faith believing that you are in us and you are working through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to visit heartstrong.life to access our daily blog for even more encouragement. Visit the HeartStrong shop with all kinds of merch like hoodies and t-shirts and mugs to remind you of this journey of discipleship that you're on. You can log in to heartstrong.life forward slash login to access your member content, resources, and downloads. 
We have live Bible studies for adults, students, and a Bible boot camp for kids. Let's become heartstrong disciples together.